Oh, now that's a lovely song. My Land by Celtic Thunder. It introduces Belinda Jackson's conversation with Fenella McDermott of EPIC, the Irish Immigration Museum in Dublin. And it reveals why the Irish diaspora is spread so widely around the world, and particularly here in Australia, where up to 30% of our population claims some Irish heritage. The stories of individuals and groups tell of success and failure, of sadness at having to leave, but the joy of success in a new world. Epic is the world's first truly digital museum, and it features a genealogy arm where you can trace your family roots, something Belinda wants to do. Today with me I have Finola McDermott, who is from EPIC, which is the Irish Emigration Museum, which is found in the centre of Dublin. Welcome to Melbourne, Finola. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much, Melinda. Yeah, good. Um, so you're in town talking about uh, the, uh, some of the great attractions in Dublin, and, and which, one of which is the Emigration Museum, of which you're part. And I think what is interesting uh, is that for Australians is that up to 30% of Australians identify as being Irish. And this is a way for people like us, I mean, I'm one of that 30%, that c- can connect back with their Irish roots. Is that, tell us a bit about the museum and how it does that. Sure. So the museum itself, it's the world's first fully digital museum. And it tells the story of how through Irish immigration, Irish culture, Irish influence has kind of spread throughout the world. So we very much say the museum is telling the story of Ireland's greatest export, which is its people. Um, Through that, you get to learn why people left Ireland, uh, where they went what they achieved when they went abroad, and also how, because of all of the immigration, Irish culture, such as music, film, TV, has kind of influenced the rest of the world. We look very much at why St. Patrick's Day is celebrated all around the world, because you have a diaspora of roughly about 70 million people around. Um, With that also, then, we do have a genealogy centre on site, which is called the Irish Family History Centre. And there, anyone who does have Irish ancestry, like yourself, is able to actually go in, sit with a genealogist, and they're able to actually trace back their family roots to whatever part of Ireland they may have come from. Unbelievable. And how far back could you trace? It it all depends on the information they can find, to be honest with you. Uh, When it comes to online records now, it's quite good in Ireland. Um, You have both Catholic and Protestant records are very good. They're very easy to access online. And particularly for Australians, it's actually really, really easy because a lot of the Irish that would have come to Australia would have come during the time when it was a penal colony. So prison records are very, very good. They have all the correct details that people would need in order for the tracing process. Wow, that's um, so so I can go back and find the murders of, of uh, County Clare should I be looking for them, right? <laughs> That's it. We were having a little chat about this just before we went on air and you were talking about uh, why why people came. I mean, you, as you say, you, you can trace the criminal records and that is of people coming out for petty crime as political prisoners as well. But then, then people were also emigrating from Ireland for other reasons, such as the gold rush. But what about... What about the story of women that were, that came out here, not necessarily for any of those particular reasons? There's an incredible um, number of women who, who left Ireland to come out to Australia for the most bizarre reasons. 
They did, they did. Probably the biggest one um, takes place during the famine. And it was a particular scheme called the Earl Grey scheme. And the Earl Grey scheme was basically where um, young women from Ireland who had lost their parents, who had no husbands, no connection, were sent out to Australia essentially to be convicts, wives when they got out here. They were promised a brand new life, but essentially they were coming out here because it was a more dominant male population at the time. So back in Ireland, they felt that this was the best solution for these girls they didn't have much opportunities in Ireland you know it was during a famine especially for a single woman there was very little opportunity so they felt the best thing to do was to give them free passage free travel to Australia where they would be having this this new life in the museum we particularly um, focus on a lady called Isabella MacDougall and she was one of the Earl Grey scheme ladies who was sent out here and we kind of talk about her life from leaving Ireland from arriving in Australia and what happened to her over the years. And one of those things that happened to her, well, she had 12. Did she have 12 children? 12 right? children. Yeah. 12 children. So, no wonder 30% of Australia's population <laughs> identifies as having some Irish background. And what I also found really interesting from that, and, and we were talking as well about, you know, some of the, some of the uh, court records here. I was recently up in Beechworth at, the, at one of Australia's more notorious Irish uh, immigrants, which was Ned Kelly. I was up in Beechworth at, his, uh, at one of the courthouses where he'd been tried. And they were following women's stories there, and not so much women, but girls too. And what we found was how young these girls were that were coming up from Ireland to be, you know, to be with the aim of becoming wives. I mean, mm-hmm. they, how, what were the what ages are we talking about for these? Women? You're usually looking as young as kind of 12, 13 years of age. What they would be classed as an adult in the 1800s, and they would usually range up until the early 20s were sent out because they were still single, you know, young, viable women that could be wives during that age group. Period. Wives and also mothers as well. Exactly, the, exactly. Yeah, with the idea of populating populating Australia. That's um That's it. That is an incredible story, isn't it? And I think um, also, too, you also trace not only just those small everyday stories, which are actually quite shocking because the idea of a 12-year-old getting married is still, you know, is is pretty confronting. But also, it also, the um, museum also looks at the Irish immigrants who succeeded overseas in the public eye. I mean, there are some some great, well, now we're claiming them as Australians in that in that cohort? There is. I mean, you have someone like Jim Steins, um, famous Aussie rules player. Uh, he would have emigrated from Dublin and came out here. So we mention him in the museum. We also look at someone like Peter Rice, who designed the Sydney Opera House. So he would be an Irish immigrant as well. So we have a kind of a broad mixture. So there's roughly about 300 individual stories that we tell. And they are a mixture of celebrities that people may know and recognise but also individuals who would just be normal everyday people who emigrated from Ireland but have kind of a unique story of what happened to them when they went abroad or just because of the the story they were a part of like Isabella McDougall it's more how she was chose to emigrate is is more maybe the more interesting part of the story it's being put on this scheme I mean when she came out to Australia her life became quite normal she got married she had children she ran a boarding house but it is the fact that she was a part of the Earl Grey scheme is why we discuss her yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, you know, we can. I think you can lay claim to five Australian prime ministers claiming Irish ancestry. That's right. We isn't do. It? We've we've a good few prime ministers. 
good few sports stars. Um, someone like Fanny Jurok, who won the, she was the first female to win an Olympic gold medal for Australia uh, in swimming. And she, her parents were Irish, so she is classed as an Irish immigrant as well. Oh, that's fantastic because swimming is not a strong sport in Ireland traditionally, no, is it? No, <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think any sport is, to be honest with you, Belinda, but, but we can claim a few who got the Olympics somewhere else than other countries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that success is everywhere. There are so many uh, American presidents too that that um, that either uh, have Irish ancestry or I'm thinking of Andrew Jackson, wasn't it? That was directly like born in Ireland. And yeah, yes. Uh, 23 of the American presidents can claim Irish ancestry, either being born here or through um, their parents or through their lineage. So you have people like obviously Joe Biden, who has family still in Ireland. You have people like Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. But you go back to probably the most famous is JFK. So, yeah, we have about half of the American presidents were able to claim. That's fantastic. So when you when you enter the museum, so tell us a little bit about when you go into the museum itself. What do you what are you physically seeing? It's down on uh, it's down on the docks in Dublin, isn't it? It is. So it would be down at the point where most people would have emigrated from Ireland. So it's the point where all the ships would have picked them up and taken them out of the country. So when you arrive at Epic, it's in a building called the CHQ building, which is actually Dublin's first fireproof warehouse when it was originally built. And it was originally built to store wine and tobacco. So it has these beautiful old vaults underneath the ground. And that's where Epic is. So when you arrive, you're brought down into the vaults. You get your introduction from a member of our visitor experience team. And then you are given your passport. So your passport is like your map of the museum but you can also stamp it in each of the rooms so it's quite a fun tangible little item that you get to bring with you as you go through and then as you go through every gallery is slightly different that was the idea when we were designing epic we wanted it to be that every room you walk into there was a little bit of a wow moment a little bit of oh my god what am i going to do next because it is all technology it's touch screens it's interactive quizzes we didn't want it to be boring or stagnant so we made sure that each room had a slightly different take on the technology that we used as we went through but you'll also find there are staff members throughout the vaults so they talk to any of the guests that come in kind of ask them questions get to learn what they're interested in and then they're able to point out some of those unique little stories that they may not know them before they got there it just sounds amazing because there are so many uplifting stories of stories of success and stories of you know big success on the international mm-hmm. stage and then success is in not starving to death and instead you know running a boarding house and having an inordinate amount of children um, and possibly you know quite a happy successful life compared to what they might have had in Ireland at the time but then it's it's also it's following a story through um just that that as you say a very tangible history I mean customs mm-hmm. it's customs house quarter isn't it that the yeah. museum is in yes. and that I mean that has just so much pathos doesn't it looking at what people had left behind and how I mean when you go back to to Dublin it's such a, an incredible vibrant energetic enthusiastic city but you can just imagine the absolute sorrow that that is born of such a museum I, I think it would you know it really tugs at the heartstrings you can look at the successes but then you look at what people were leaving behind it does it does and I mean you have people that come into epic and they leave laughing crying um, singing so you kind of get a range of emotions when you're in there particularly I think the first couple of galleries because they're very 
very much looking at what were kind of the good, the bad and the ugly factors of why people were leaving Ireland. And it can be quite emotional to see some of the reasons people were maybe forced to leave, not necessarily just because they were told we're going to put you on a ship and send you away, but something like unemployment where they didn't want to leave, but they had no other choice. It's the same with the famine time period. But then I think as you go through and you're able to look at kind of how Irish culture spreads, stuff like river dance and Irish music and St. Patrick's Day, it really livens people up. And we find when they're leaving, they're actually kind of on a high a little bit about it and even if they, a lot of people that come to Epic might say oh I have no Irish ancestry but as they're leaving they go I really wish I did <laughs> have it now after being in there Yeah absolutely I can see that a celebration and also a commemoration Just one last question, do you find what is that transfer of people like now? I mean how, how um, do, you, do you follow it right up to current day, to modern day trends? We do, we do, so probably the most up to date um, section or time period we have we go up to 2015 which was when um, the marriage referendum took place in Ireland um, this is when Ireland became the first country in the world to vote gay um, marriage in by popular vote so that took place in 2015 so we look at that from the point of view of how up until very early in the 1990s homosexuality was illegal in Ireland so a lot of people did leave Ireland because of that they may have gone to the UK or, or different countries around the world so we look at how in such a short time period when you really think about it there was a massive change in Irish culture and and this law was then popular vote brought in in 2015 and we look at how a lot of Irish immigrants came back to vote and how it was this big moment for the Irish diaspora as well as for those still living in the country because there was a massive campaign for the Irish diaspora to come home vote this in make sure this is this happens we need this and so we look at that's probably our most modern point but we do have a lot of you know modern immigrants immigrants that are still alive and you know out there today from the kind of sports side of things to music and film there's still a lot like in film obviously we mentioned someone like Liam Neeson who's still acting and still very famous and he is mentioned in that section. Yeah, of course. Well, I think it just it sounds like the most gorgeous experience and we I, I can't wait to get back there and uh, and I'll take you up on tracing my roots. So thank you so much for your time. It's been really lovely to hear about these stories, uh, uplifting the sad parts of it, the building of a, of a different nation as well. So Finala, enjoy the rest of your stay in Melbourne. Thank you so much, Belinda. Belinda Jackson was speaking with Fenella McDermott at the Irish Emigration Museum, EPIC, in Dublin.